Okay, so I have loved Maybelline since I became aware of it when I was, you know, probably 13, 14. I have used Maybelline for that long. And their new Lifter Plump Lip Gloss is absolutely insane. It is so fabulous. It gives me the perfect puffy pout. And one thing about me is I always have a lip on. Like I wake up in the morning, I brush my teeth and I apply a lip. I'm I'm just that girl. I'm sorry. I have to. And I'm obsessed with this new Lifter Plump. Okay. Here's why. There's a little heat in it and it just makes your lips look so kissable, so perfect, so divine. I'm obsessed, quite frankly. Can you take the heat? Find your shade at Maybelline.com or a retailer near you. Amazon shoppers get 10% off Lifter Plump purchase with code 10PLUMP for a limited time. Thankfully, C4 Energy has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus. C4 Smart Energy is formulated with 200 milligrams of natural caffeine from green coffee beans, plus potassium, niacin, and vitamin B12 to support well-being and help you feel your best, all while promoting fat burn and boosting metabolism. So I have recently tried C4 Smart Energy, and let me tell you, it is giving me a boost. That caffeine is hitting because I have a very short attention span. I get distracted so easily, and I tried it, and I was like, yeah, this is a boost all right. I love that. Look for smart energy every day in the beverage aisle at your local Target. Go grab a can and share on social media tagging at C4 Energy and the It's Me Tinks podcast to show how smart energy helps you stay focused wherever you are. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. To know me is to know that I am obsessed with spicy margaritas. Love tequila cocktails? Then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a -a one-of-a-kind tequila infused with the juice of real fruit. 21 Seeds is smooth, not sweet. It smells fresh and bright and tastes incredible. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds, Diageo, New York, New York. Hi guys, welcome back to It's Me Tanks. How's everyone doing? Oh, our first week of the year. That's a wrap. How is everyone's January going? I hope that the January reframe episode was effective. I hope that those of us who are dry janning are uh, flying through it and feeling great. I will say, you know, one of my goals this year is to really go deeper with you guys and be even more honest, like when things, you know, just everything. Cause sometimes I, I fear that if I, if I let you know that I'm struggling with something, you might, I don't know, distrust me or whatever. But now I'm realizing that that's quite the opposite and that I should just, it builds more trust. All this to say, I don't think I went as hard this December as I have gone in December's past. And usually by the time I get to January, I'm like gagging for dry gin. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to not drink. Like, this is amazing. And I honestly had a bit more of a chill December in the end. So I'm not struggling, but I will say that this this first particularly cold week in LA, I was craving a, a glass of wine here and there. Don't worry, I didn't bend, but um, just wanted to give that moment of honesty. Um, 
I've had a cozy week kind of getting back into work. I also will say that I was enjoying hibernation so much and enjoying family time so much that I uh, I had a little bit of scaries, which is so unlike me. Uh, so, so unlike me, especially after I did the Jan reframe episode and all that. I was just, oh, I was like, wow, I am enjoying having this low-key, uh, you know, vibe to my life so much. I, I think resolutions can be personal or you can tell your friends if that helps you hold um, yourself accountable. I will share one of mine. Some of mine are, are personal, but one of mine that I'm really focusing on this year is slower living. And by that, I mean, I want to slow down a little bit and in every aspect of my life, I've always moved so fast and I've always been kind of an extremely impatient person, as you all know. And I rush and my mom is always like, haste makes waste and, you know, whatever, uh, you know, it just she's always calls me like a, a tornado or a hurricane. She's like, you just come in and you just, you know, leave this wreckage in your path. And I think this year I just want to take a beat. And by that, I mean, practice even more gratitude, put the phone down, um, just sort of enjoy where I'm at and just take a beat. And when I'm, when I have downtime to really revel in it and enjoy it. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe this is just my January vibe, but no, it's my, it's my, one of my resolutions is to just live slower, uh, and soak it all in. Today, I want to talk about, um, the good thing about me in January is you'll get a lot of reviews and a lot of um, show recaps and and um, rehashing. So I want to briefly touch on a movie that I saw, The Whale, and then I'm going to dig into Fleischman is in trouble. It's a show that a lot of us have watched. And it's amazing. I absolutely loved it. I think it was my favorite show. I think for me, it was even better than White Lotus just because I love that sort of exploration into relationships and female joy and I'm gonna get into all of that in a second just want to briefly touch on the whale we saw it this week my boyfriend and I and I loved it I thought it was such an incredibly moving film um it's the story of a very obese man who is housebound and uh or yes housebound is that is that the right way to say it I was thinking of bedridden. He's not bedridden, but he's kind of trapped inside of his house. And it was actually based on a play. And then the movie was directed by Darren Aronofsky. And initially I wanted to see it because everyone was saying, oh my God, it's Brendan Fraser's comeback. Like, you know, I'm obsessed with him from The Mummy and George's Jungle, two movies I just like have weird fixations on. And I went to the variety party in... um in November in New York and it was honoring him because he's getting all this buzz like performance of a lifetime and it really is an incredible performance I personally would urge everyone to see it I think it's amazing there's so few movies that I actually want to go see in the movie theater these days I don't know what is going on with that well I'll tell you what my hypothesis number one I've said this before it annoys the crap out of me that the the PR cycle starts so early for a movie, like two years in advance, they start, you know, talking about the movie and, and doing all these press junkets. And, and I'm like, just, just show me the trailer and let me get hyped. And then after do some interviews about it, I don't need like 10 TikToks. I don't need all this other shit. Like if you're trying that hard to get me to go see a movie, I automatically don't want to go see it like that really happened with Elvis for me like by the time the movie came out I was like "Ugh, I've had enough and then I tried to watch it and I didn't like it at all and that also happened with Don't Worry Darling where I was like 
what is all this faffing about? Like, why are you talking? Just show me the fucking movie and then we'll talk about it after. Anyway, it's probably because of all of our short attention spans. And then the other thing is the fucking, they're so long. Avatar is like three hours and nine minutes. Three hours? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I didn't go see it. It's not my thing. I mean, that's all this to say it's the number one movie in the world right now and it broke a billion dollars at the box office. So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. But to me, that sounds like hell. Three hours watching blue guys all over the screen, you know, in their secret world. I don't know. It's just not my shtick. I would much rather go see a heart-wrenching human story about change and choices and, you know, the the this decisions we make as, as adults, which is kind of what the whale is. Um, so anyway, we go to see the whale and we were both like crying. It was super sad. We both thought it was amazing. Brendan Fraser is amazing. Sa- Sadie Sink is plays his daughter and she's actually really good too. Um, and then I went home and I read reviews and it was like, they were all terrible. The, all the reviews were saying that it was their point of view was that it felt like Darren Aronofsky, the director, was making it almost like a circus. Like, come and see this obese man. Come and gawk at, you know, this, you know, horrible life that he has where he's trapped. And there's several scenes in the movie that I guess the critics felt were gratuitous. Um just kind of making it like a spectacle. But I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like it was a very human it was humanizing you know it was it was showing this man and even though obviously his weight is the main is one of the main factors of the movie and and a main theme and kind of you might think the about you might think that his weight is kind of all of it I actually disagree I think it's more about the choices that we make as a as adults the regrets we have how we as grown-ups kind of try to reconcile big regrets and big choices that we've made. I think it's about love, different types of love. Obviously, it's about his weight as well. But I, I just I just thought it was the most human story at its core um, about compassion, about positive positive thinking and negative thinking like different views on life and how they can affect you and how you know what what changes in you like when something bad happens in your life does that change you as a person I don't know anyway I would go see it I thought it was great um and if you guys do go see it I'm interested to hear what you think about it so I have a trip planned to Palm Desert coming up and I booked an Airbnb because I wanted to be with all of my friends. This house we booked has a beautiful pool so you guys know I will be catching some rays and doing a little bit of tanning. I know a few friends who have houses and when they're away, whether it's on a trip or they're traveling for work, they just Airbnb their houses. So they're like actively making money while they're away, which is kind of the dream, right? Like passively making extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There are so many books out there, it can be hard to choose one. But becoming a Book of the Month member makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Members get books delivered right to their door and shipping is always free. There's even an app to pick your book and track your reading progress. And there are audiobooks too. So I'm obsessed with this, you guys, because I feel like sometimes I get decision paralysis on what to read next. And the fact that Book of the Month Club, they decide for you, they pick the best because they 
they do all that reading is just fantastic. I love to be in the reading community and book of the month is an incredible way to really get engaged with your reading. Maybe you want to pick it back up for summer so important to always have a book when you're going on your summer trips, reading by the pool, or just reading before bed, which is, as you know, my favorite thing to do. Right now, you can get your first book of the month for just $5 with code PEDALS by visiting bookofthemonth.com. That's bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. Zola has everything you need to plan your wedding in one place, including venue options and all your vendors. Plus, you can design, save the dates and invites, build a free wedding website, create your registry, and stay on track and on budget throughout the entire wedding process with their free planning tools. I have three really good friends getting married this year, and they're all using Zola. And I know because they were telling me about how easy it is and it's just truly a one-stop shop and you know this girl loves efficiency right so my friends were telling me you can do it all in one place what a relief right and I know about Zola because I've bought so many gifts on registries via Zola and I just love how easy it is to send gifts keep everything organized everything is like done for you and we absolutely love that start planning at Zola.com that's Z-O-L-A dot com. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style every day with new Pandora pieces that set a shining example for the world to see. From big feelings to small messages and everything in between, beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora radiates with your love from every angle. Create a look that's all your own with a unique mix of meaningful charms or choose from Pandora's sparkling collection of timeless designs perfect for making an eye-catching statement. With Pandora Jewelry's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to love it, stack it, wear it, and share it. Style your everyday favorites with sparkling cuts, vibrant enamels, and playful designs, or truly make it your own with a personal engraving. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora. Spell it out with handwritten charms, sparkling stacks, and iconic styles designed for every kind of forever. Pandora jewelry is the perfect way to share the gift of love with yourself and the ones closest to your heart. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora, be love. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I personally have been talking to my therapist every single week about my stressful times and just getting everything off my chest, explaining the difficult situation I've been having at work and what has been weighing on me has made me feel one million times better. I really don't know what I would do without her. As you guys know, I talk to her every week. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Tinks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Tinks. Okay. Fleischman is in trouble. It's a show on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, I am going to be, um, uh, there will be spoilers. So maybe go 
go uh, watch it and then come back. But if you're not going to watch it, you can still listen to this because the reason that I'm so obsessed with the show and the reason that I, it struck me so hard is because it deals with several um, core things that I've always been very afraid of. And also specific to women, it's kind of a lot to do with what I tell you guys and what I warn you against and why I'm so obsessed with women making sure they don't settle and why I'm why I want every single one of you to know your worth and to continue knowing your worth no matter what stage of life you're in. So the show is about you think it's about this guy Toby Fleischman um, played by Jesse Eisenberg I think his name is you know the guy from the social network and his wife, Claire Danes. And you think that, you know, it opens, it's talking about them, they're getting this divorce, they're going through a tough time. You think it's about him. He's on Tinder again. He's like having a lot of sex. He's dealing with his kids. And um, then Claire Danes, his wife, goes missing, sort of. She says she's going to a yoga retreat. She doesn't return his calls. He doesn't know where she is. Um, and it, it, over the eight episodes, it's really about three people, I would say three main people, Claire Danes, um, her ex-husband, to- uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Toby, and um, the third person is this character, Libby, played by Lizzie Kaplan, who is phenomenal. I thought all the performance was amazing, but she was so phenomenal. And she is Toby's friend from college, and she's married. She lives in New Jersey, and um, she it kind of ends up being about more her and Claire Danes just about women um than Toby so it's interesting the name is is um the title of the show is misleading and to me the English major in me is saying like oh you think it's going to be about just another guy having a midlife crisis but it's actually about these women and the choices that they made and um their lives which I of course love and it's based on a book it was adapted by I'm going to butcher her name so I'm going to look it up it's by Taffy uh, Broadacer Ackner. It's a novel of the same name. Um, and I guess she, I guess she was the one who adapted it. So um, I'm going to, I thought of the different ways to, to go through this. Um, and I think I'm going to talk about it character by character because that would be easiest. I guess at the highest level, the reason that it struck a chord with me is because my whole life I've feared waking up when I was like 45. I'm not saying that's old. I'm saying it's the age where it's like youth people start to think that they're old and then, you know, they feel like they can't change their lives. But anyway, I've always feared as a woman waking up at 45 with like two kids just in a life that I feel trapped in. And that is like the thing that keeps me up at night. And as I you know, embark on this year. And I told you guys my intention to be more honest with you. But I feel like if I tell you more about my fears, you might understand me better and you might understand my, my points of view better. So here we go in, in that, in that vein. Um, it's not about having kids or not having kids or working or not working. Obviously those choices have everything to do with a woman's happiness. But I just remember when I was younger thinking, wow, there's like a difference in some women. They just feel like they're happy. And I felt like, I know this is a depressing thought for like an eight-year-old to have, but just so you know, this is the type of kid that I was. I just remember feeling like a lot of women weren't happy. And I remember feeling like a lot of men at the same age were happier. They seemed like they had, I don't know, they just seemed more alive. 
And it really scared me. Like, I, I remember this is one of my earliest feelings was like, I don't want that to happen to me. I didn't know if I was going to have kids or not. I didn't know if I was going to work or not. Like those choices to me felt like they would come or I would know what to do when they arrive. But I just remember thinking, I just don't want to be invisible and I don't, I don't want to feel like my life isn't my own. And so I'm sure if you hadn't already figured that out, that's a huge reason why I do what I do and why, you know, a lot of my advice is rooted in that. Okay, so so let's talk about Rachel first, played by Claire Danes. So in the in the show, she we discovered that she didn't come from very much. She's always been obsessed with success. She's obsessed with money. She's obsessed with working hard. And she feels like a lot of these outside markers are very important to her. So you know, having the fancy apartment, having um, the right clothes, have, going to the right schools for her kids to go to the right schools. All of these outside markers of validation are extremely important to her. And in the beginning, you know, she comes across as kind of a bitch and you're like, oh my God, this woman, you know, kind of abandoned her kids. That's so awful. But as you learn more about her, I had so much compassion and empathy for her because you realize she just wants to feel validated. She wants to feel seen and appreciated. And her husband uh, doesn't really, he doesn't try to understand her. He just feels like she's an alien. Like that's how they are in the end of their relationship is like they just don't even speak the same language. And they don't care about the same things. I think a key reason why couples break up in in once they're married, you know, kind of in, in middle age is because they don't view the world the same way. I'm going to say something that you some of you might find radical. I think it's actually pretty easy to fall in love. Like I think that you can fall in love with a lot of people. You can be infatuated with, infatuated with people for like one to three years pretty easily. I know if you're single, you probably want to punch me in the face right now, but that's what I think. To have a long lasting partnership is a totally different ball game. Some of you might think love is all you need. I disagree. I really, really disagree. And as women, I would caution you from thinking that way. I am of the Sheryl Sandberg mindset where who you choose as your partner is the most important decision you will make as a woman re your career. I agree with that. I, I really do. Whatever you think of Cheryl, that's how I think. The first three years, I, I called Brian, you know, my best friend, because she had once told me about this article she read and she couldn't remember where she read it. So if any of you can find it, I will kiss you on the forehead um, about how one to three years is actually the infatuation stage. You think, oh, the honeymoon period is a couple months. Actually, one to three years, it's all gravy. You know, there's really no problems. And then there's like the next phase. It was like some, you know, relationship psychologist had figured out the drop off points. So it was like three years, seven years, and then like 14 years or something like that. And the truth is, infatuation fades, um, sex fades, uh, you know, that initial zaza zoo it fades and you have to really view the world the same way I think to make a partnership work. So what do I mean by that? You view money the same way. It doesn't mean you have to make the same amount of way amount of money. It means that you have to value it the same way. 
say you as a couple find $100 on the street. I think that it's important that you guys want to do the same thing with that $100. Are you both the type of people to say, hey, let's go to a fancy dinner? Are you both the type of people to say, hey, let's save this? Or, hey, let's save half and let's go to the movies or whatever. That's an overly simplistic example, but you get what I'm saying, right? In the show, Claire Danes and Jesse Eisenberg, Toby and Rachel, they don't see money the same way. Toby thinks, you know, money is not all that. Now, some might argue he's coming from this insane place of privilege. And like for me, I I have to say I do side with Claire Danes in this because he kind of doesn't seem to realize all of the amazing luxuries that he's being afforded because his wife works so hard. He's like, oh, we don't need a fancy apartment, but he fucking moves in. He's like, oh, we don't need all this money. And she's like, well, both of our kids go to private school. We live in New York City. Like, we can't continue to live this lifestyle if not for my working this hard. And that pisses me off. It really does. Because I think about if the roles were reversed. He, you know, men aren't vilified for having the same ambition. Like, that was a huge ugh, trigger for me in the show where I was just like, if the roles were reversed, no one would bat an eyelid. No one would bat an eyelid because he's always like, oh, you're never here to, like, say goodnight to the kids or whatever. How many dads are not there to never say good night to the kids and they don't get any flack for it right then later on in the show and I love when shows do this they showed it from two perspectives they show it from Rachel's perspective and Toby's perspective you find out that Rachel had a very traumatic incident while giving birth to their first child and at first you see it from Toby's perspective you know he comes in and she's screaming she's literally screaming get this doctor away from me he just I don't know if you would call it assault and I don't want to use the wrong word, but he kind of forcefully broke her water. And when he when Toby wasn't in the room and, and he had said he was just going to he just have do an exam. And I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, I don't want to miss misspeak here. But then you see it from Rachel's perspective. And in episode seven, it's it's all about her experience. And guys, when I tell you. I broke down and so many of you wrote to me and said that you were crying in this episode too. I was bawling and I feel like I'm going to cry now because it's like you see this woman in the most vulnerable position of her life. She's about to have a baby. She's scared shitless. Her husband is out of the room. She doesn't know how to advocate for herself because she doesn't have the language. She doesn't know. And also you're supposed to trust a doctor, right? You're supposed to trust your, your, you know, your doctor her doctor was away, which happened to so many people. You know, I was watching with my mom. She was like, oh, that's what happened when you were born. The doctor that I'd been seeing for nine months was was away and not on call. And I had a, a new doctor that I didn't know. That happens to so many women. And you see the pain and you see the fear and you, 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 fe- you feel her helplessness. And it just broke me. It just broke me like the shit that women go through, the shit that women go through. And it's not even acknowledged, right? It was probably wrong of me to use that word assault before. And I'm sorry, but whatever she went through, it's like that wouldn't even register. That's just like a thing that happens to women, right? And you think about even on this podcast, how much we talk about advocating for ourselves when it comes to birth control, when it comes to our options, when it comes to, you know, professionals telling us there's nothing wrong with us and we're like no we we know that there's something wrong and it's just like 
I felt like, sorry to be woo-woo, connected to like all women at that point. Even though I'm not a mother, I just felt so sorry for her. And it's funny, I was recently listening to Emily Ratajkowski's podcast with this um, woman named Sarah Hoover was on it. And she was talking about how she had a I don't want to misquote her, but she was talking about her birth experience and how it was very difficult for her. Even though nothing went wrong, she just felt very like it was very traumatic for her. And she's actually writing a book about it, which I'm really excited to read. But, you know, she was saying how so many women just have these really awful birth experiences. And it's this time when you're supposed to be, you know, everyone's like, it's the best day of your life. It's the best day of your life. Oh my God, it was so magical. Like they handed me the baby and I felt like, I felt like amazing. And, in the show, you really see, you know, this honest portrayal of this woman who just has a shit time. You know, I think that there's even a line in the show where she said it was the worst day of her life. And I get that. Like, I, I understood that that f- sentiment. Again, even though I'm, I'm, you know, not a mom and wouldn't dare to understand how it feels like I felt the I understood the core emotion. And it would just it just broke me in two. And then, of course, like I felt resentful towards Toby's character because it's like he didn't get it. And then afterwards, you know, the, she's in shock. She has some postpartum depression. I don't know if it's postpartum depression or if it's just trauma from her her birth experience. And there's this part where when it we're being shown it from Toby's perspective, he's like every single person who came into the. into our house to see our new baby she would tell the story of her birth experience and that made me so mad because what you understand as the viewer is that she's trying to process she's trying to process her trauma by speaking it and that's a key way that you can try and get it out right it's like talking it through and saying something traumatic over and over again until it becomes more of a story than a thing that happened to you and that just like pissed me off like there's no right and there's no wrong with with when it comes to the breakdown of a relationship, but I just felt like he didn't see her. He didn't try to see her at all. Um so okay, so then you look at the other character and it, the whole thing is narrated by Libby. And she's, you know, she used to work at a men's magazine and um you know, you kind of get the sense that she's like <sighs> She doesn't have a lot of female friends. That's the sense that I got in the beginning because it's like, and I'm not saying that because she went to work at a, at a, a men's magazine. It's just, it seems to me that that character is kind of like a little bit of a, I don't want to use the word pick me, but like she has that vibe and, and she doesn't really, I don't know. Her two best friends are Toby and Seth. Also, I love that his name is Seth played by Adam Brody. Um, once again, playing a Seth, uh, like he was in the OC and, um, you know, she doesn't really seem to consider Rachel's side of things. And I know that when your friends break up, you you take your closer friend's side. But it's like she didn't even consider Rachel as a person before she runs into her and learns what's happened in in a later episode. Like, you don't even get there until the end. And so it's a really interesting arc because the whole time you're like, oh, this is about him. This is about Toby Fleischman and his divorce and, like, you know, how is he going to date afterwards? And then you're like, oh, maybe this is about, you know, they're actually talking about Rachel Fleischman. She's in trouble. And then you realize that it's, like, really about Libby and Rachel to me and and about the the different choices that these women have made. And Libby's interesting because she 
has given up her job. She said she was going to write a book. She never does. She's got this great husband, like this super sweet, lovable guy who's so supportive and deals with her being very, um, you know, bitchy and kind of just bored of their life. And like, and like, that's difficult, right? Because it's like all of a sudden one day she just woke up and she was bored of, of, of their life. And she takes it out on her sweet husband, who's very hardworking. And, you know, that's, that's a difficult place to be. And in that sense, I would say Libby, Libby chose her choices too, right? Like, she was the one who decided to move to New Jersey, even though she has this contempt for the suburbs. She's the one who decided to leave her job, even though it seems like she has no interest in being a being a stay at home mom. And she has this resentment towards her husband, even though he's incredibly supportive and, and is like, you should go back to work or you should write the book or like, why are you upset? And yeah, sure, you can just take off all this time and like go to the city and help your friend who's getting a divorce. Like I'll just stay home with the kids and like do all this stuff. So to me, I I mean, what I hope is that we're, we're catching her at this pivotal moment. And towards the end of the show, she like has this resolution. She's going to write the book. Um, but that's, that's back to what I was talking about, about the fear that I have is like, that's the fear is like waking up one day and just realizing that you've kind of let 10 years slip away, not in a bad way, but just like in a way where it just passes you by. And it's like, you're not actively choosing your choices anymore. They're kind of happening to you. You're not making them. So I obviously have the constant urge to say, what can we learn from this? Or what's the lesson from this? And I guess it's different for the different characters. I guess in the sense of Rachel, it's like, it's like you have to call it like with a relationship. I think that with both the Fleischmans, that's the lesson there is like, if it's not working, you have to call it. And also, if you don't see the world the same way, it's going to be a slog. It's going to be a difficult uphill battle because you can't, you can't really alter your worldview. I, I, God, I just remember this, but I took a really interesting sociology class in Stanford. And I think, um, I think the age was 13 where the professor explained to us that by the age of 13, your worldview is kind of set. And by that, it's like how you view money, how you view, um, society, like your ideas of good and evil, they're all kind of pretty crystallized, which is so interesting because it's quite young. Now, obviously, you know, you might say, well, what if, what if you win the lottery? And it's like, well, you know, people don't, they don't really change their worldview. Like even if their circumstances change, like, so Rachel would be a good example of that, right? Like she grew up with nothing. She grew up without, I think she grew up without a mom and, and she, now she has all this money and she's super successful, but like her worldview is the same. Namely, uh, the things that were important to her when she was younger are still important to her now. Big brand names, having a nice apartment, because remember she grew up and um, she went to that like private Catholic school her grandmother sent her to and she wanted to be like those other girls. She wanted to be like the rich girls who grew up going to Nantucket and all that shit. And that's what she wanted. Your worldview doesn't change. So it's like, that's difficult, right? Because when you think about the early stages of a relationship, you are head over heels and you're just like, oh my God, we both like peanut M&Ms when we go to the movies, like everything's going to work out. But that's not actually true. And so I would say to you guys, like, 
as you progress in a relationship, like even in the early stages, look out for those things. Like, do you like to spend free time the same? Like, I think it's so important that, for example, you want to spend Sundays in the same way. Like, does one of you want to like stay in bed all day and the other person wants to get up and run five miles and and go to the farmer's market and do all this stuff? And it's like, yeah, opposites can attract, but it's about your worldview. Like, it's about how you view time, money, pleasure, work, those things, they have to align if it's going to be a successful relationship in the long term. I really believe that. I also think it's about finding a partner who wants to see you and who wants to accept you for who you are. That's like such a glaring, obvious issue in their relationship, especially in the beginning episodes. It's like they just, they don't want to understand each other. They're not even trying. They don't even they don't even see each other as people in the end, which is like devastating. Um, and then for Libby's character, I would say choose your choices, whatever they are. That's what's important for women is like we have, we should, by the way, have the options. Like I, my, my wish is that everybody has the options to choose your choice. I don't, it doesn't matter what you choose. It's just that you choose it actively choose to be a mom, choose not to be a mom, choose to work, not choose to work, whatever they are, it's fine. It's like that you're actively choosing them and that you're not letting a partner, a parent, um, fear dictate those choices because that's how you get into the Libby situation where you're just like, you have this malaise, you have this, this just, oh, oh my God, I don't even know what you'd call it. Just complete boredom with your life. Um, and also, I mean, it does end on kind of a a bit of a hopeful note. I I didn't understand. And I asked you guys this on Instagram. I didn't understand if it, we were meant to take it as that she had already written the book or that she was about to write the book in the end, but you know, it feels like she's, she's going to change things. It feels like she, she does see her husband for the gem that he is, you know, that she does sort of start to feel, um, gratitude for her life. Um, there's so much in this show. I got to read the book, I guess, because it's, it's really amazing. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's like all the different paths you can go. And even Seth, Adam Brody's character is interesting too. He's 41. He's just got engaged. I don't know. I, to me, I, I liked his plot line. You know, he, got fired and you know he felt like work was a big part of his identity and they're kind of making fun of him but he has this line where he's like what I'm not a real person because I didn't get married and that really struck me because at that point in the show both Libby and Toby are having huge marital problems but yet they don't view him as a real person because he he isn't married yet and it's like I feel like a lot of us have had that 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 feeling you know a lot of us who are a little bit older um you know you you feel sometimes in some of your married friends eyes you feel less legitimate and that's so valid like that's such a thing that happens and I don't know why it's because we're still breaking down the constructs I guess right it's because it's the same reason why women still feel still feel pressure to get married by a certain age and and you know we still put all of our happiness eggs in this like one basket even though the divorce rate is over 50 percent and we know that you know it, it doesn't automatically equal happiness it's like that pressure is so real it's the same it's the reason why they don't really view him as a real person even though you know he's he's in a relationship he knows what he likes he's getting there so interesting 
so interesting. Um, I guess it's been, it's always been pretty obvious that my, this has been one of my biggest fears is like boredom or just not being content or just feeling like my life was just happening to me. But the show was just unearthed so much. Uh, but it shouldn't be depressing. It should be, it should be inform informative. It should be um, empowering, right? There are so many lives to lead. There's no better, no worse. The only life that is bad to lead is when you're not choosing your choices. When you we when you feel powerless, it is not too old, and you are not too late. Like shift it right and that's another huge thing I want to talk to you guys about this year is like whenever something happens and it's like negative or you perceive it to be negative think how you can shift it right so it's not like oh this show is depressing a lot of middle-aged people are depressed it's like wow this show is a great reminder that a it's not too old and you're not too late b you can always start again and c be vigilant about your choices and about what you are calling into your life, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, the partners that you're sticking with, like shift it. That came up because someone asked me on AMA, like, oh, I slept with my ex and I hadn't heard and I haven't heard from him. And I was like, cool. Great. You know what? That makes it so much easier. That's a gift. They're giving you a gift because they're showing you who you who you really are. They're making it easy. Now, it's not always possible. You get hit by a bus, you break your leg. It's pretty hard to see the silver lining. But um, in little situations, think, how is this for me? How is this happening for me, right? It's a really, it's a, it's a good muscle to train. And I really want to remind you guys to train it this year. I'm going to be doing it a lot myself too. Uh, all right, guys, I will see you on Monday back with another episode. I can't wait. Hope you're all enjoying this January. And if you're enjoying the pod, please share it with a friend. It would, it would make my day. I love you guys. Bye. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.